Hey everyone, welcome back to the Hashrate Happy Hour podcast, where this week I had the pleasure of sitting down with Chris Hare, the CEO of PRTI. PRTI is one of those companies that I've been watching for a couple of years now because of the insanely impactful technology of processing tires to create an alternative fuel source that is then powering a data center focused on Bitcoin mining. Chris opens up on this conversation and shares how PRTI is a fully integrated mining operation that is also solving arguably one of the largest problems in the world right now, waste tires. I hope that you enjoy this conversation as much as I did, and if you do, please leave a rating and review. It really helps out the show. This show is managed by Foreman. Get it? See what I did there? Foreman helps you manage your entire Bitcoin mining facility all from one simple dashboard. That's demand response and power controls to miner and facility mapping and business intelligence all on one clean dashboard. Guys, this software is absolutely incredible and it's what I personally use to manage the small miner fleet that I have online. And I think that's what I love about this the most is that it even lets the small miners, the plebs, have the ability to manage their computers like the pros. It's always also really impressive when I walk into these large mining facilities for my day job and I look around in their control room and I see a 70-inch plus flat screen TV with their entire mining operation completely mapped out in Foreman, exactly how you would see it out on the floor. This is a truly invaluable tool for miner management as well as being able to manage and automate your curtailment strategy. So please go check them out online today at foreman.mn. That's F-O-R-E-M-A-N dot M-N. And no, that's not because they're huge fans and supporters of the state of Minnesota. That's just their website domain. It's foreman.mn. Today's podcast is brought to you by our sponsor, the Texas Blockchain Council a Bitcoin-first, nonprofit industry organization working to make Texas the jurisdiction of choice for Bitcoin mining and blockchain innovation. They will be hosting North America's premier policy conference for Bitcoin and the digital asset ecosystem on November 15th through 17th in Fort Worth, Texas. For more information, please visit their website at texasblockchaincouncil.org. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Like I said in the introduction, I'm here with Chris Hare, the CEO at PRTI. Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks a lot. Thanks for the invite. Nice to be here. I am, and I say this on almost every episode, but I am especially excited, Chris, to, to have this conversation with you. PRTI, you guys are one of those companies that what you are doing, the problems you are solving is so unique and so it's just, it's cool. And that's like the biggest understatement I can possibly come up with. But what you guys are doing is so phenomenal. So I'm, I am very excited to to chat with you today. You know, look, the, the reality when you're in, involved in a business is hopefully you think it's cool too, right? So, you know, and so <laughs> the challenge is that our, my objectivity went out the window a long time ago. And so it's always fun to talk with someone who says, hey, I've heard about what you guys are doing and I really like it. And, you know, that, that kind of, you know, that kind of keeps keeps you motivated on, on bad days uh, and on good days. It's just nice to hear. So thank you for that. Oh, of course. Yeah. Uh, so where I like to start in the conversation, Chris, I think it just helps put a, a good perspective on the rest of the conversation is I, I'd love for you to walk through your background and how that led you to where you are today with PRTI and some of the things that you're doing. So I'd love to hear like how you got to where you are today. You know, it's it's kind of weird because, you know, one of the things that, that uh, we say to our team here is, hey, look, take your, take the name off your own resume and read the resumes of this group and realize that, you, you know, it's kind of a really unusual group of people with, with weird and wonderful backgrounds. And, uh, you know, I kind of feel the same with, with my resume. I've ended up with doing all sorts of things in different industries that when you look back on it, you think, okay, I know there was a logical path, but I can't see it. <laughs> right. And and that's I think that's the reality of, of most people's career history these days is, you know, um, my eldest is at college. My tw- my twins are about to start going to college. And, 
you know, as as you talk to folks that are, that have got college age kids, you realize that they, you know, they pick a major and then they change it three or four times. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, that's a bit a bit reflective of all of us in industry. You might start in one vertical and wind up in a completely different space over the course of your career, and that's okay, right? That 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 uh, creativity is is kind of a fun journey. So yeah, I mean, I grew up in the UK. Um, I did a, uh, I did, did some schooling in industrial design and then wound up doing a couple of master's degrees in management. Um, but, but my real lessons and re- real learning was that out of school, I worked for a company that today is a part of Northrop Grumman. Um, in those days, it was called Lucas Industries. It was a British aerospace and automotive company. And I kind of grew up through the front office of a factory environment. So I was kind of a factory rat and very involved in making things and uh, and physically making things because usually the last few days of the quarter or the last few days of the month it was all hands on deck and you you know you went and figured out how to work a machine whatever that machine did and uh you know your your colleagues on the production line would laugh at you because your efficiency was awful but you were still better than not being there um, so, you know, after that, I, I, I got involved in um, building factories in China uh, and Austria, starting up a distribution network in Scandinavia. So from the UK, traveling to Denmark, Sweden, Norway, Finland, um, France, Germany, etc., most of Europe. And, you know, what that, that taught me along the way was uh, to really how to, how to work with a team, how to be part of a team, and then ultimately how to lead a team. Um, in moving to the U.S. Uh, 27 years ago now, um, it was as a result of working in the U.S. for the prior five years on and off. And, and we got involved in relocating the headquarters of our business, of our organization. And then I was asked to come run a big chunk of that in Virginia. Um, you know, that was in the uh, user interface space. We got involved in a lot of telecom stuff. We had a lot of work mm. with people like Ericsson, uh, Motorola, Nokia, who were, you know, huge in the, in the day, um, pre-smartphone. And yep. um, as a result of that, uh, I had a, a detour where we built a an MIT spinoff with a really good friend of mine uh, who's, who was an MIT professor who previously headed ergonomics at Apple. And um, we built a company that would ended up being sold to a division of what is now Microsoft. Um, then I got asked to run a, um, a big chunk of the supply chain at Sony Ericsson. Uh, one of my good friends from those days uh, asked me to, to come and help figure out the supply chain. So I moved to North Carolina. And in those days, my group was responsible for building about 80-something million mobile phones a year. And so there were a lot of moving parts, and they were all over the world, and it was complex. Um, But but at the end of the day, you know, it it taught me a lot about the value of uh, cross-border teamwork. And, and really how to grow a business and how to build a modular business. And, and that's a, the modularity is a theme that we'll come back to in the discussion of PRTI. Uh, another theme at the time was intellectual property. So we were heavily invent, involved in uh, IP, um, you know, patents, trademarks, all that stuff. And, uh, you know, that, that's, that's a, again been part of uh, my background. Um, in terms of PRTI, I've been doing a bunch of consulting worldwide. And uh, I met a, an entrepreneur, a very successful entrepreneur locally in North Carolina called Jason Williams. And uh, some of your audience may, may know his name. He's, he's pretty visible in the, in the Bitcoin space. The parabolic so, guy. Uh, yeah, going parabolic. And <laughs> um, so, you know, Jason and I met. Jason had already started getting involved with PRTI and the founding team and really helping them figure out what was next in terms of growth. And so uh, we started working together. Um, and then a little bit later, um, you know, Jason and I also met Pomp and, and most people are familiar with with Anthony and some of the great work that, that Pomp's been doing. Um, so we'll we'll get into that as we start talking about who PRTI is and what fun stuff we've been doing. Yeah, well, and thank you, Chris. I appreciate that. What a what a what a colored background and past, too. It's uh, I, I think like you said, it's, it's kind of representative of like the time that you spend in college. I, I, you know, and I, I did the same thing in college. I I tried this for a little bit and then I tried this for a little bit and then I tried this and then it kind of all comes together. And, you know, next thing I knew I was selling post-it notes and scotch tape right out of college. (laughs) That's, we'll have that for a different conversation, you know, later. Uh, but yeah, so I, I appreciate that. That's, that's awesome. So Um, you were a 3M guy, were you? 
I was a 3M guy. Okay. Okay. Yes. Yep. I spent almost Minnesota a morning. <laughs> and I'm in Minnesota too. I'm I'm at the I'm at the the hub of the it epicenter. all. Epicenter. Yeah. That's yeah, great. Yeah, that's, that's cool. Right. Very cool. Well, I mean, look, there's you know, there's a fun there's a fun journey there, right? When you think about what 3M stands for and and how it's evolved, and that I can't remember the percentages now, but some very high percentage of their new products every year. Uh, basically displace existing products and and they reinvent themselves on a regular basis and I think that's kind of fun it keeps the keeps the uh, innovation spirit alive that's right their their tagline and it may have changed um, recently but you know innovation has always been a core staple of what drives that company so right. yeah it was uh, it was great experience definitely helped uh, launch into the the Bitcoin mining you know world and industry so Chris, I'd love to dive into PRTI. Um, I'd love for you to give us like the the ten thousand foot view, and then I'm probably going to ask you a bunch of questions to to kind of zero you in on exactly what you guys are doing. So maybe give us the ten thousand foot, and we'll start there. Yeah, sure. So so um, you know, great group of founders. They've been involved in all sorts of industries uh, in the oil oil and gas space or in. Uh, real estate, um, and then one of the founders was a was a space engineer who had been involved in the space program, and then building semiconductor uh, companies. And so, you know, like like Jason and and uh, and I and the rest of the team. I mean, very very diverse group. But as I say, common thread was uh, modularity and intellectual property and high technology stuff. So. So, you know, we'd found a really interesting group in Italy that had been working on all sorts of different waste streams, all sorts of different fuels and other things. Um, And they had really come up with the, you know, really great starting point of a way of processing car tires. And what, you know, business is all about decisions and about forks in the road. Um, The fundamental fork in the road that they took that was different from pretty much everyone else that had tried to do something positive with tires was they were only processing and looking at processing about a million tires a year. Now, a million sounds like a lot, but if you break that down into a day or a week or an hour or whatever subset, um, it's not that many. And so, you know, what they what they did was they tried to figure out how to process a small amount of tires on a regular basis. Everyone else, I think, has looked at the, the tire tire problem as being a gigantic problem. I and mean, to give you an idea of the problem, there's about 330 million tires a year thrown away in the US. So it's, it's almost like one, per, one person. per person per year, <laughs> right? It's kind of crazy. It's crazy. And, and most people don't really get to think about that very often because whatever vehicle you drive, you change your tires every 12 months, two years, whatever it is. And there's a sharp intake of breath and you write a check for, or, you know, pay over a thousand bucks for four tires and curse it and move on and then forget about it until the next time. You know, plastic bottles and things like that are topical because they're in the middle of your desk every day and yep. you think about them more regularly. So so anyway, what, what happened is, is uh, you know, our, our team spent time in Italy looking at this technology and, and really uh, looking at the way that they'd come up with the concept. And, and what we all saw was really a, a way to take something that was small and make it modular and make it repeatable. So, you know, think of think of this as a repeatable business like a Starbucks or a McDonald's or take your pick or, you know, whatever, whatever random business you want to choose. Um, and, and just like Jason's amazing work in healthcare, if you look at every location, every clinic or every every restaurant or whatever it might be or every mo- mobile phone factory, yep. how do you make sure that the next location does exactly the same as the first one? Well, you measure it and you monitor it. You automate the bits that make sense. You protect the bits that make sense. You write it all down and you make sure people follow procedures. That's what we're doing. So so we have a technology that takes whole car tires, breaks them down thermally into their component parts. So first good thing we do is we get rid of tires. Mm-hmm. And, and the second thing we do is then is we're able to recover uh, a gas, a liquid, and a solid as well as recovered steel because every steel and this again may may not be that well known but tires have got a big chunk of steel in them it's steel wire so uh, we're able to pull out the steel um, and it's a, a valuable steel and then we're able to recover the gas liquid and, and solid material 
But then what we were able to do as next was to say, okay, great, we've got three materials plus steel. What can we do with those? Well, let, let's consider them at their most basic level as fuels. So the gas is a synthetic gas. The oil is a, is a the liquid is an oil uh, and a bunch of other stuff. And the solid is actually, you know, a material that is carbon based and, and you know, looks and acts quite similar to coal. Okay, so basically we're oh, taking wow. a tire, breaking it down, and we can recover fuels. Um, so you go to the next step and you say, hey, let's look at this process and can we do something with those fuels? Yeah, sure, you can sell them. And then someone else makes margin on what you sell to them and someone else has to transport them a certain distance. So you lose money on that. Okay, so can we do things like making the, the fuel into power on site? Yeah, okay, we can we can spend time figuring that out. And then what we did uh, and again, this came from a lot of the work that, that uh, you know, Jason Pomp and the rest of the team here have been involved in is, is look, if you're, if you're making power, then you basically have your ability to vertically integrate your own data center. So what we've been able to do is, is, is run our own data center and, and mine uh, for six, seven years. So the model here is wow. by solving an unsolved waste stream largely unsolved right there's various uses but but there are very few are really economically viable mm -hmm. by solving that waste stream we create energy that doesn't exist otherwise so you know in terms of uh, a carbon process and a carbon footprint um you know a big chunk of the 300 million tires a year end up in landfills uh, and that's that's a shame because it's a wasted resource you know if you think of a tire as a round battery then, then basically the tire is a stored resource that, that is otherwise not harnessed ever. Um, you know, there's literally billions of tires around the world that are just sitting in a hole in the ground or they're, you know, thrown over the hedge or buried in the desert. And what we're able yeah. to do is, is take that to power and then, and then, you know, run the data center based on it. Uh, that's it, it, and and this is like what I said at the, and cool was the only adjective that I could come up with at the time. <laughs> I mean, this is just it's absolutely astonishing and and so creative to not very many people look at a problem. And yeah, I mean, tires when you put it into the scope of you know three three hundred and sixty million tires a year going into a landfill. I mean that that problem feels. Like it's a mountain too big to climb kind of a, a problem. And so then you break it down into these small component parts. You get three, you know, really, I'm well, and I'd love to hear I, uh, how dense the, the fuel sources are. It sounds like dense enough to run a data center off of it. So, I mean, I just, what a, what an absolutely astonishing process. And so I, I you, you touched on a couple of things I was curious about. And one of the things that I was curious about was how steady is this electricity that you're generating? How many megawatts are you guys able to produce at a site? Like what's the, the right sized form factor for this type of an operation? Yeah. So, so, you know, you're talking about uh, one single site and I think, think of this, you know, again, show my age maybe, but if you go back to the first back to the future movie. Yeah. Uh, at the very end of that movie, you know, the doc is chucking the, the household trash in the back of the DeLorean to make it go, okay? Because they figure that out, and now this thing flies as well, right? We, they we shoving bananas things. and garbage. Yeah, yeah it's go. all sorts. <laughs> so, so we don't do the flying car bit just yet. But, but think about it like this: if you've got a community of a couple of million people, you've probably got a couple of million tires based on the one per person per year, right? With the exception of Manhattan or San Francisco, you know, there's a few pockets of the country that are less uh, car users than the rest of us. But in any case, so, so talk about the mass market. Mm -hmm. If you can solve that waste stream in the community, not only are you harnessing that energy for the community, you're also then solving a transportation problem. Right, because if you don't solve those tires in that community, what happens to those tires? Well, some of them might go into a landfill in the locality. So you've got, you know, a, a land use and environmental issues and permitting and all that good stuff. But if that doesn't happen, what's happening is they're getting on a truck and they're moving ar around the country. And, you know, wherever they're going, they're on the road, uh, in some cases for many, many miles. So what we see is the ability to build relatively small sites and literally to build over 100 of them across the country. 
and and then you know literally you can dot them around the country based on population and solve the tires close to that community and you know the cool thing is that there's some really cool companies that are doing logistics of all sorts of things already this isn't meant to be a fundamental logistics exercise right so we're we're tapping into those great companies and and seeing how we can be part of this solution and uh, I think what that allows us to do is is think of this as almost a, 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 a microgrid. Yeah. Where every every site is is generating maybe six, maybe eight megawatts of continuous power, and then you can have literally a hundred plus just in the U.S. without looking at overseas growth. And you know the benefit of that is one site and a data center uh, that kind of level is interesting, but it's it's relatively modest. But you start looking at this as an off-grid data center uh, where the power is generated from a waste and that is continuous power because, mm-hmm. um, you know, you have an offline disconnect between the way the power is made and the way the power is or the way the waste is, is processed and the way the power is made. You can kind of disassociate one from the other. So almost use the, the power system as a capacitor. That way you can end up making sure you've got continuous power. And reliable power, and and you know, and sustainable power, because this this is what would be termed non-virgin fuels uh, that are being used a second time. Because all the stuff that went into a tire otherwise generally doesn't get used in a in a productive way in in most cases. No, I think I mean I, I think back to like the only thing I can wrap my head around or remember seeing like waste tire use case was like the the stuff that you see at a playground or mm-hmm. or baked yep. into like the turf on a few uh what i don't remember what the name is. it's there's a name for it um astroturf astroturf or um i'm drawing a blank on what the like tire crumb is that is okay, they call yeah, it ty- crumb, crumb rubber i mean crumb look, rubber you know, thank you <laughs> there's there's challenges right because if you, yeah. if you if you chop up tires right then first of all you've got to figure out what to do with the steel right so the steel wire in a tire is 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 a challenge and you've got to if you can get get it out you can gain value from it um chopped up tires uh, there's a value to that in terms of energy um, you know, but it's kind of hard and, and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's generally been seen as a bit of a challenge across the country. The sports field material has got its own questions and, you know, um, the government and others have looked at, okay, is this safe? Is this, mm. is this good for people? Is this good for kids? Uh, and I think there's, you know, there's quite a lot of studies that are drawing that into question. And I think that will continue. Um, there's a lot of different materials that go into a tire. And I think, you know, some of them are, better for you than others um i would imagine we we were watching a football game this weekend actually uh, out in boone north carolina and there was there was some conversation about you know what what does artificial fields do to to players injuries um so there's a lot of different things around those artificial fields that that may change the market you know look that doesn't matter because the reality is is we're only getting started with our growth. So we've got a long way to go before we arm wrestle over a few tires. Yeah. Um, there's a big there's a big mountain that got, has got to be dealt with before we worry about the loose ends. Sure, sure. Well, I mean, the other thing to keep in mind is like, look, you go chop up the tire, you figure out how to how to get through the steel and you chop up the tire, right? And then you still have the tire. You right. know, with, unless people start turning their front yards into astroturf with crumb rubber, yeah, you're not you know, really solving think, that problem. And, I, and again, there's a there's a lot there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of tires, right? So re- the reality is, we don't expect to solve all the tires for everybody. Uh, you know, that's a huge ask. Honestly, we'd like to see there to be more more successful uh, other ways of using tires, but um, you know, we're not seeing that. Honestly, uh, equally, we're also not seeing a whole lot of uh, near future announcements for non-petroleum tires so you know if you look at a tire about half of it is you know petroleum based and then you've got natural rubber and steel and some fabric and some other things you know that's that's kind of works i mean you know i have an electric car on each corner of my electric car is a regular petroleum based pneumatic tire 
So, you know, even some of the advanced vehicles out there are still using the same materials and the same process, essentially, that's been around since vulcanization was discovered in the 1830s. Yeah. So, you know, we see this this uh, use of materials staying for a while. And, you know, when you talk about worldwide, you're talking of maybe one and a half, maybe two billion tires a year is, oh. is the consumption. So it's it's a big problem. And it's, it's a, a big it's problem. A big, it's a big energy loss, too. Yeah. You know, uh, this is all about energy efficiency. And if we can reuse this material for energy or for other things, then, uh, you know, why not? And of course naturally on the back end because of some of our team's background uh, mine included we believe in iot the internet of things iot means we we understand and agree with blockchain and we believe you know uh, verification of uh, processes uh, whatever whatever they be whether it's finance or healthcare or other things just makes sense so of course you know from that as we looked at the opportunity to running a data center what would we do of course we would gravitate towards blockchain and bitcoin and things similarly in that in that orbit and now a quick word from our sponsor this show is powered by giga energy giga energy is a vertically integrated bitcoin mining company that manufactures all of the electrical infrastructure needed to start mining bitcoin whether that's medium voltage switchgear pdus or power cables for your miners the team at Giga Energy has you covered. Reach out to their sales team today for all of your electrical infrastructure needs at sales at gigaenergy.com. Use the word hash rate for the subject of the email and you'll get 5% off your order. All right, now back to the show. Uh, yeah, well, and I, I love where you're going with that because I one of the things I wanted to ask you about was you mentioned in your explanation of PRTI that the you know large... So, or maybe all of the the electrical you know production is then put into a data center. Mm-hmm. I, I would love for you to go deeper on like how you chose that for the energy offtake versus the grid or you know battery storage and then maybe selling it to you know a, a different offtaker or you know, there's several other options. But how did you land on data center Bitcoin mining specifically within? the data center space, like just go deeper on that. Cause I, I find that fascinating. Sure. Yeah. It's kind of a fun story and, you know, Pomp and Jason have both, uh, have both told this story a few times on, on other podcasts, but, but, you know, basically uh, Jason and Pomp had started building a, an investment fund uh, that I had a little piece of as well. And, you know, we, we were meeting literally every Sunday to go through all sorts of uh, prospects and uh, both investors and groups that we were investing in. You know, uh, at that time and since, uh, you mm-hmm. know, we're all voracious readers and researchers, and we started looking at all sorts of fun stuff. And and you know, for for one reason or another, Jason wasn't there one Sunday, and Pomp and I spent three hours talking about Bitcoin, and and basically nothing else. And uh, the following day, Jason and Pomp were driving to Charlotte to go buy a McDonald's, which is a whole. Another discussion. <laughs> they were turned. They were turning into a laundromat of all things, and and uh, which was again as another another fun conversation. But you know, honestly, I predicted at some point during that that uh, day I would get a phone call from Jason and Pomp saying, "Hey, guess what?" And sure enough, at some point in the afternoon, it was, "Hey, we're going to build a data center." And you know, really, at pretty much the same time, um, I won't say who, but we had uh, the senior senior leadership uh, of one of the big tech companies who ran their data centers in the middle of North Carolina. He came for a visit, and and one of his observations was, "Hey, you've got a decentralized power station for data mm-hmm. So you know, putting these two events together. Uh, was pretty much at the same time that we were starting to say to ourselves, hang on a minute, if we're selling our fuel, then whatever, whoever we're selling it to is then charging us for transportation. Either they're charging us or they're just discounting the price. And, and then secondly, they're figuring out something to do with that fuel that makes it more valuable. And then in general, they're directly or indirectly turning that into, into money. And that might be as power, it might be selling an upgraded fuel, whatever it might be. So, you know, uh, uh, as we see it, our mission is to create uh, the best version of what we have. And today, the best version of what we have is to take the the three fuels we make, turn them into power, 
And then in most cases across the contiguous US, probably not sell it to power directly because the power companies have got to make money too. Mm -hmm. So by selling the power to the grid, then the grid sells you the power back at a margin. Okay, so how can we make money by selling our power? And in regulated monopolies, regulated markets, in most cases in the country, you have a choice. You can either sell it to the power company or not sell it to anybody. Um, and so in that regard, we had to look at, okay, if we're able to make power, you know, and this was honestly in close collaboration with two of the big power companies that, that have been super helpful with our business. We, we, we were looking at this and saying, what can we do with that energy? Oh. And a data center was, uh, you know, was, was, is certainly what we see as the highest and best use today. Yeah. And, and that may change in the future or it may change based on geography. You may go to some parts of the world where there's other things you can do with the power that, that are even more valuable. Or there might be other things you can do in the military or in other you know, industries where there's other things you can do. But for, but for right now, it's Bitcoin. Oh, it's, that's awesome. I mean, you guys have even talked to the power companies. What I find interesting is is how nuanced it gets when you start to actually try to sell power back to the to the grid. I think, you know, the the common narrative is, well, you just put solar panels on your roof and when you're not using it, sell it to the grid. It's like, well, that's uh, even at that small like house rooftop solar, it's not not an easy thing and power companies actually aren't that excited about it. So it's 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 you know it's hard right solar's uh, you know uh, photovoltaic cells are fairly inefficient you know it's a fairly low percentage of conversion and you have to have them pointing in the right direction and it has to be daylight you know just as a added complication um but but here's the thing if you're going to talk to somebody about power why wouldn't you talk to the utility these guys are the experts you know um i presented at a jp morgan event in dc about a year or so ago and um, on the panel that, that I was on was a, a lady who was the government affairs uh, expert for, it was, I think it was Exxon. I can't remember which of the oil companies. And, and she made the comment that, look, if you're going to talk to a company about renewables or about energy or about fuels, wouldn't you talk to the present incumbents? Because they've been navigating this space for a long time. And I think we feel the same way about power. Um, you know, these are the experts. And, there's, and again, Sometimes they're difficult to deal with. Every industry's got its own acronyms. But the reality is is they know what they're doing, and you just have to find the right people who are open-minded to say, hey, educate me. You know, let's talk to the team and figure out how can we work together. Because, uh, you know, most businesses don't exist in a vacuum. Yeah. Uh, and, they, and they generally aren't successful if they are in a vacuum because there's, there's too many other – there's too many ways that you, you have to um, partner with other you know, vendors or customers or other people in the chain, you have to see it as a chain and you have to figure out how to connect to the right other links in that chain. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been, it, it's, it's always interesting talking to the power companies. That's for sure. Um, yeah. I, what I, what I also, when we were kind of walking through like the, the energy production that happens at PRTI, are there challenges with it? Cause I mean, this operation, you know, Chris, I listened to all this and I, again, I'm like, boy, we could, you, there should be one in every major city. There should be one basically where there are large population centers as, you know, this perfect little micro grid. What, what kind of challenges, if any, are you guys facing with this type of generation? It's, you know, we've moved through a phase where we've been, uh, so the, the quick answer is it's financing. It's, um, you know, I think we over over the last seven eight years, we've spent the time to really polish the model. Um, you know, figure out how the technology really works, make sure that we've protected it adequately. And by protect it, I mean uh, patents, trademarks, trade secrets, know how, some of that stuff, um, and knowing how to navigate that again is one of the benefits of some of our our career histories. But but then to prove it right because. Um, you know, lots of new technologies uh, start in academia or they start on a lab bench. They start with typically uh, a small amount of whatever it is they're working on. And, and scaling is hard. So a big part of what we've been doing is, is really getting this to a meaningful proof point, uh, proof of technology, proof of protection, 
uh, and and really making sure that we've run this process adequately, that we know how it works, and that mm-hmm. we can scale uh, with a lower risk level. Uh, you know, now we've done that. The next step, the next hurdle, really is is uh, working with communities and also working with large finances, because although we've had wonderful support from our community and friends and family in terms of raising capital, the next step, hundred plus sites, uh, you know, it's a lot of money. And uh, you're probably not raising that around a coffee table at Starbucks anymore. Sure. And so, you know, that our next step is really getting ready to present to the right type of uh, finance organizations worldwide. Um, because, as I said, this isn't just a U.S. problem. It's a global problem. And so, you know, that, that we have the appetite, we have the intent to be a multinational company and, uh, and to be multi-state in multi-countries. Well, that's that starts to move into a territory where you've really, really got to move in a, in a very different world in terms of financing. Yeah, and um, you know, so that's that's really the biggest next step. Sure. Are are those conversations? Do do they ask you, and and maybe poke a little bit at like why data centers, why Bitcoin mining attached to this power mo- like th- this type of power generation model? Are they? Are these groups, are they starting to come around to Bitcoin store of value or are you having to like educate on like the Bitcoin side of things? You know, it's been kind of a fun journey, right? Because if you think of uh, verifying a financial transaction and digital money, well, we've all been using digital money for a very long time. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, when I moved to the US in 96, uh, I was asked to go to a meeting at my bank. uh, And I won't see which bank because they're actually people we bank with today. And, and this bank wanted, wanted my wife and I to go to a meeting in Hampton, Virginia, so that they could explain to us what a debit card was. And so, we, you know, and they, they didn't really tell us that's why they wanted to meet with us. We were, we were new customers. We just landed from the UK. Okay, sure. big deal. So we show up and it was like they started explaining this thing as if it was a revelation. And I take out of my back, my wallet, my Barclays card, my, my uh, debit card that I'd had for the prior five, six years in the UK. I said, what you mean like one of these? And it's like, oh, hang on. No, we're, everyone here is still writing checks. Right. So, so <laughs> let's say, let's say whether we were behind or, 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 or not, we have all got used to digital money. And so it's kind of ironic that big financing organizations have been a little slow to think about blockchain and Bitcoin because they're, they're in the middle of it, right? There's a, whether it's a denial or jealousy or take your pick. I think the reality is big financing organizations are coming around. Uh, They are recognizing the proof points. They are recognizing the energy efficiency of blockchain and Bitcoin, and they are seeing the, you know, the decentralization of money and decoupling of uh, national interests with finance interests. And I think that, um, you know, we're now talking with finance groups that are global and therefore they are not tied to a currency or, or, uh, you know, or gold or take your pick. And I think that because of that, I think the industry in general is being more open um, and recognizing that, that, you know, Bitcoin, blockchain or other data center uses uh, look at the world's data center growth. At the end of the day, whether it's AI, uh, autonomous driving, uh, edge computing, mm-hmm. other high intensity uses, or, or just Bitcoin, right? The the capability is in demand and very very high demand. And uh, you know whatever the data center's uses, the highest operating cost of that data center is power. So in our case, you know we see it, uh, that being again. Uh, the challenge is that that uh, this is common sense to us. That doesn't mean it's common sense to everybody, um, but we see it as kind of an obvious conclusion to the stage of the business that we have today. Yeah, I think you guys also do a good job combating kind of the the biggest and worst narrative around Bitcoin, which is that the mining uses too much electricity, consumes too much electricity. So I think you guys you know, are kind of you come to the table and that that's a moot point because you guys are the generator. It's well, it, it, so it's a couple of things, right? I mean, that's, that's kind of a frustrating argument because it's almost uh, the denial is, is like, okay, well let's, let's go behind the headline. Yes. Yes. Bitcoin consumes power. Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's accept that. Yeah. Let's not push back on it. Let's just accept it. But hang on. What is that process replacing? 
right? Uh, you know, when I, if I wire money to friends or family in the UK, what hands does that digital hands does that money go through? Uh, where are the costs? Where are the the uh, the bottlenecks? You know, but if I even if I look at this as a supply chain problem, if I look at blockchain, I think Walmart are working with IBM on a blockchain solution. And uh, you know, five years ago, if I went into a, a Walmart and I bought an avocado and I got it home and opened it up and the avocado was bad and I rang the store, they would be able to trace that avocado from my store in North Carolina back to the distribution, back to the farmer, back to the field in wherever the, the, the avocados were grown and basically say, okay, this field or this, this line of plants is making bad avocados. Okay. That process used to take about a week. And imagine how many people were involved in checking that spreadsheet or that supply chain or that verification and how much energy was used by all of those people. The blockchain equivalent of that process it can now do it in under 10 seconds. And yes, it uses energy, but how much energy did it used to take? Right. And I think that that uh, that energy comparison, that friction that, that it used to take compared to Bitcoin means that even if Bitcoin's taking some energy, it's a fraction of what it's saving. And that saving is not usually shown in the headline of the way people talk about energy consumption of data centers or Bitcoin mining in general. Uh, I, th I think that's the challenge, you know, not just a Bitcoin problem, but an everything problem. You cannot boil everything down to a 10 word soundbite. You have to kind of go, okay, let's double click on that. Let's, let's go and do more than eight seconds of research to figure out there's more to this than meets the eye. Let's try and understand a little bit more that behind the soundbite. Yeah. And the other thing that I like, there's a couple things that come to mind. It's like, at first, I think whoever helped kind of craft the Bitcoin uses too much energy narrative. I wonder if they're going, uh oh, because HPC and all the other data center activity is starting to get some attention. And I, I do wonder if they're going, uh oh, the narrative we spun up for this Bitcoin thing actually applies to everything else that goes on in this world. Yeah. Um, you know, up to and including the selfies and the TikTok videos that they probably watch. So, yeah, it's it's a it's a funny narrative. You know, the, the jealousy may turn may be spin. Uh, I agree with you, and I think that that's and again, whether it's incumbents of whatever the incumbent field is, whether it's energy or or uh, power or power in general, or you know, um, oil and gas or whatever. Uh, look, that's happened many, many, many times. Um, you know, my my uh, my twins just finished uh, required reading and studying of the book 1984 by George Orwell, um, you know, which which when I read it, it was a uh, it was a prediction of the future. Uh, they're reading it now and saying, oh, that's history. You remember 1984, Dad, right? <laughs> and, and I think that the fun part of that conversation, though, is that the manipulation by powers seen or unseen, that's not new. You know, that propaganda machine has been working for thousands of years. Um, you just got to figure out how do you move move past that and how do you kind of clear the, the, you know, the fog in front of people's eyes so that they see the truth for what it really is. And I think that that's, you know, I think Bitcoin is going to be seen as something that is obvious. Uh, it's obvious to some of us already. It's going to be obvious to uh, most people uh, shortly. Yeah. Um, absolutely. I think the other thing kind of behind the, the Bitcoin mining and, and energy usage is people who are Bitcoin mining. When I talk to the other companies that are Bitcoin mining, one of the, the, the main threads that most companies are focused on is the, the source of the power. Um, which again, is, and I, I know I've said it like three or four times. Is that's what's so exciting about what you guys are doing is you are that source of generation. I think Bitcoin mining is just going to move up the stream of all the different energy sources. You know, you've got you know oil and gas with the the flaring, mm -hmm. um, or just you know taking a percentage of that natural gas that you're producing from those sites and dedicating that to Bitcoin mining, and then you know electrical companies plugging that in as a a tool for the grid to help balance out the renewables in the portfolio. And then you guys are the standalone. You have the, you know, the, the fuel, the generation, you guys are just kind of all in one package, which is 
is really cool. Uh, you know, I think I think there's a there's a simplicity to being vertically integrated, right? It means you're you're relying on fewer people on the front end and on the back end, uh, and I think that that's helpful um, in order to kind of put your arms around a business. Um, I think that, that again, uh, you know, when when uh, you know, Bill Gates and others were making bold internet predictions 25, 30 years ago. Everyone was saying, oh, they're, they're crazy. We're never going to be shopping online, right? Uh, I think that what we see, whether it's, uh, you know, Bitcoin, blockchain in general, you know, present discussions about artificial intelligence, the reality is, is the needs for uh, high-intensity computing will continue to expand because we have not stopped innovating as a race. Okay, and and there's other things we can do, and we're you know, and we're going to be even more focused on efficiency, and on renewables, and and basically not just renewables because it's a good thing, but also renewables because it's it's actually the green thing in terms of money. Um, you know, efficiency improvements in industry are not just driven by a, a desire to be environmentally sound. Um, it's about margin. Yeah. And I think that, uh, you know, capitalism or, or socialism, at the end of the day, efficiency is better. Um, you know, and that sounded like it should have been a, a 1984 quote, but um, it wasn't. But, it, you know, look, I think there's a reason why it's important to um, improve constantly. And that's why what we see today is the step that we've reached is the best step so far. But that doesn't mean we've stopped innovating the business either. There's more stuff we can do with with some of our materials that we're not ready to get into. So that's that's what makes it exciting for for me and for our team is is you know we got more to do yet. Yeah, well, I, I and I was going to ask. So kind of on that, you know, there there are some other things you can do with the materials. Are there other use cases for the gas, the solid, the liquid, or yeah. is the best use for it right now presently like energy generation the best use right now is energy generation but okay. there's more things that come out of the uh, materials we make that can be used later but you know that that that's that's part of what we're doing now is not only looking at capital to build more sites but also to increase and enhance the ip and the research and development that we've got um, you know, so that's a conversation for another day. But yeah, watch this space. I think, you know, the, the, the cool thing is we've already proven stuff to ourselves, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in a small way. But just like with tires, we want to prove it in a bigger way, in a higher scale, because then it's, it's, uh, it's harder to refute. Um, I think if if you if you if you process a certain amount of if you have anything, and you do it once or twice, then people could consider it uh, uh, you know, lucky. Um, yep. if you've done it thousands and thousands of times with millions of pounds of material, then it's got a verifiable, uh, proof. And that's what we're all about, right? Verifiable proofs. It's fantastic. So Chris, maybe walk me through, you know, we talked about scale for PRTI and, mm-hmm. and what that means. Walk me through the next two, five, ten years. What, what's it look like for PRTI? So, so again, I, I have hard time drawing this. Um, you know, my, um, my CFO Ben, he does a much better job with three-dimensional axes than I do. But, but think of it this way: if we do nothing beyond the site level, uh, plan that we have, right? So we're taking uh, tires to uh, fuels to power to Bitcoin. Uh, we can build lots and lots of sites. So there's a growth of number of sites. So that's one axis of growth. Uh, a second axis is the ability for us to do more with the feedstocks. So there's different things that can go into our system than just Mm. regular tires. Um, There's also different things that come out of those output materials that that can be made and harnessed for other purposes. And some of that may be more fuels and some of that may be in materials that go go into other directions like the electric vehicle market. Um, the third is, is, and that's a, a whole different axis, but it's, it's additive. Um, the third axis is, is a growth through acquisition and, and other extensions to the business, more vertical integration, uh, more acquisition, more partnerships that really allow us to, to grow in a different direction. So, you know, you can take all three of those axes and see them independently, but as soon as you start adding them together, You've got kind of the, the the opportunity for exponential growth, and uh, you know every every uh, every um, startup CEO loves talking about hockey sticks like they're believable. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
um, I'm not going to be the exception. Uh, I think that there is an opportunity here for for exponential growth, but but we are um, thoughtful enough, sober enough, and our team's experienced enough to know that this is going to take some pretty deep pockets and some pretty uh, sophisticated financial mechanisms. And so that's some of the planning that we're doing now because this is a long haul project. Uh, you know, you don't you don't change a massive industry like this overnight. And it's certainly we want to make sure that that we do what we can and work with the right parties that are in the market. Uh, so it's an expansion of where we are. You know, we love, we love uh, where we are in North Carolina, but, but um, you know, we, we see the expansion, not just across the state and across the country, but worldwide. I appreciate you sharing that. It's, it's exciting to hear kind of the multi-axis, you know, approach that you guys are taking. And, you know, again, you guys took this, immense problem boiled it down to a small replicatable you know operation and then now it's you know blow it out of the water again it it's it's insanely awesome to watch and and to hear about so thank you um i do want to just keep a tab on the time you've been very gracious with your time chris i'm literally pulling you away from like meeting with investors and running around you know with your team so uh what i like to ask at the end is for you to give some kind of a handoff for the audience, I want them to be able to get in touch with you if you so choose, or PRTI at large. Um, point the audience to, to where they can find more about you guys. Yeah, please, please, thanks, and thanks for your time too. You know, I know this is uh, it's a fun story to tell, and hopefully a, a half decent one to hear. Um, uh, we we're very much a you know B two B rather than B two C, um, so it's it's nice to have an audience that's probably a mix of both. Uh, you know, we love it when people reach out and ask questions. Uh, we'll answer them as best we can. Um, our website is prtitech.com. So prtitech.com. Uh, you know, feel free to take a look around. Uh, you know, we're, we're proud of what we've done. We're just getting started. And, um, you know, in a, in a small way, we hope to save, uh, you know, sa- save some energy and use some energy in a way that's not been done before. That's awesome. Chris, thank you so much for this. This was an absolute blast. Um, I look forward to watching everything that you guys do and and the growth. It's uh, I'm excited to see the hockey stick growth from you guys. Thank you very thank much. You. Really appreciate it. Yep. You take care.